Good morning, Northside Baptist. <laughs> How y'all doing? This is a great day because uh, although Brother Matt is out, it's great because he's out on a mission for the Lord. He's helped training uh, new teachers and everything. And also we have with us our new minister of youth and families. I think that's the official title. And uh, uh, Brother Ian Derrick and his wife Allie, is that correct? Would y'all just stand up for a quick second? And Hey, we're glad you're here, gang. Okay, you may be seated. Well, oh, okay, children to children's church. We forgot something up here, didn't we? Come on, gang. Look at that. I wish I could run that fast. Hey, at my age, I'm doing good to walk up the stairs without a handrail. Did you see that? That was pretty good. Okay. Uh, okay, there I am again. Okay. Uh, we, we're, uh, we're enjoying a good day. It's good to see you all. And uh, I know that some of you have already been on vacation. Some of you are getting ready to go on vacation. Uh, if you're tired, uh, do yourself a favor. Don't sleep during the sermon. I'll do my best to keep you awake. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, our our uh, scripture for today is Isaiah chapter 5, verses 26 through 30. And so I'd uh, ask you, if you would at this time, uh, to stand and uh, I'll read the scripture and then we'll have a prayer. Okay. Uh, the scripture we're reading from uh, Isaiah chapter 5, verses 26 through 30. And he will lift up an ensign uh, to the nations from far away, and he will kiss unto them from the end of the earth. And behold, they will come with speed swiftly. None shall be weary nor stumble among them. None shall slumber or sleep. Neither shall uh, the, the belt uh, around their waist be loosed, nor the latchet or the straps uh, on their shoes be broken or undone. Their arrows are sharp, and their bows are ready for firing. Their horses' hooves will be, count, will be looked upon as flint, and the wheels of their, uh, of their chariots be like a whirlwind. Their shouting shall be like a lion, and they shall roar like young lions. Yes, they shall roar and lay hold of the prey and shall carry it away safely, and no one can get it back. And in that day shall roar against them like the roaring of the sea, and one would look into the land, and behold, darkness and sorrow, and the light of darkness, the light is darkening in the heavens above. Let us pray. Father, we come to you now in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, so much for your word. We pray, Lord, that as we study your word today, uh, that you would uh, bless our hearts, that you'd give us wisdom, and that you would give us strength to 
to take your word and to live it out and to share it and to show others about your word. Father, speak to our hearts now because we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Would you turn on your light? Thank you. Now, many times when we read a scripture, we feel like, you know, I love it when I read what Jesus said. It's in, in most Bibles, it's in red letters. We say, oh boy, Jesus said this. And we read it, and, and we seek to understand it, and, and, and we, and we it, you know, most of it's very easy to understand. But sometimes when we're reading in the Old Testament, you get the feeling like, this is God's Word and I believe it. I'm not quite sure. What is this saying to me? What does this have to do for me when I'm stuck in traffic somewhere? What, what in the world does this thing mean? And I'm kind of thinking that at least one or two or ten or thirty or fifty of you might have thought the same thing about the Scripture that I just got through reading. And if that's so, if you will make the struggle to stay awake, I'll make the struggle to help you see it, to understand it, apply it, and share it with somebody else. Let's take a look at it. The, the first verse says, and he will lift up an ensign. Okay, who's the he and who's the, what is an ensign? How many of you know what an ensign is? Good, you're going to learn something there. Actually, uh, there, there's a, uh, a rank in the, in the Navy called an ensign, but that's not what this one means. It means a flag or a signal. That's, and he is God. And it says that he will lift up an ensign to the nations that are far away. And he will hiss or whistle or say, you, you know, when you're trying to get somebody's attention, you might say, tss, tss, you know, something like that. We're not sure how they hissed back then. But anyway, it was, it was uh, making a sound to attract them. You see, God first of all, relied on the nature of people to get them to do what he wanted them to do. And so here we are talking about God getting the nation's attention. For you see, what he was preparing was some people to come and to, to uh, take their army and to attack his people, his nation. And, and the people that wrote commentaries, really, they're not sure which war that uh, amounted to. But most likely it was the Assyrians coming in to Judah. But you know, it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter because God is getting this thing started, and the way he gets it started is to attract somebody's attention. Now, how do you attract somebody's attention? 
Better yet, how do I attract my cat's attention? You know, I'm a cat person. I like cats. Interesting thing about my cat. I can get my cat's attention when it wants something. I can whistle. If, if my cat was a dog, he'd probably come, but uh, she, um, pardon me. Uh, she, the, the cat doesn't respond to a whistle. The cat responds sometimes to her name. Now, the cat's name just happens to be Lily. Unfortunately, when I get out in the backyard and I'm trying to get Lily in, either for the night or for, for food, and I call Lily, 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 and you know what happens? Sometimes it's a while before she gets there, but the neighbor's cats come. Now, the neighbor's cats are not named Lily, but they know that when they hear that word, that I've got food. Now, if I spoke Catanese, I would probably imagine that in Catanese, Lily means food, but I have no idea. But they'll come sometimes because they're closer, they get there first. But if I really want Lily's attention, I can dangle, if I can see her at that time, I can dangle one of her toys out there, and she might get excited and come over. But if I really, 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 super really want her attention, I take her food dish and I go, rattle, rattle, bang, and she's there. It doesn't take long. And I am responding, or she's responding to her needs and her wants and her nature. By the way, when we first brought Lily home, she was skinny. She's now the fattest cat in the neighborhood. But leaving that aside, I'm asking you, what is happening in this verse? And what is happening here is that God is getting the attention of some of his people's enemies. Because his people have not been faithful to him and he's going to punish him. Now, the only way I punish Lily is I, I use a rough voice, which maybe works, maybe not. But anyway, God is getting their attention. And it says that he's waving a flag. Now, I'm not taking this literally because I don't think God takes flags and waves them. But somehow, God gets the word to the, uh, we'll be getting the word to that nation because this is a prediction of what's going to happen. And they say, hey, there's this rich nation down south of us and we got the word from some travelers or some other way that they got a lot of goodies down there and let's go get them. So I want to stop and take this and turn it around for a minute. How does God get your attention? There's a lot of different ways he can get your attention. He can get your attention by what's happening in the world. You know, you usually get that through the TV or the radio, or depending on which side of the battle you want to, to be on, uh, or, or the newspaper. Sometimes world events get your attention for about this long. You read it and you say, uh, that's tough. 
sorry for those folks, and that's the end of it. But then sometimes, by the way, that, that, that was on purpose. That wasn't his fault. Okay, so sometimes the world stuff doesn't get your attention. Sometimes it has to be our national, our national stuff. But then there's times that, yeah, that's tough. That's happening in California. We're in Tennessee. That's a long ways away. Those people, you know, they, maybe they deserve what they're getting. Whatever. And sometimes when it applies to our state, it gets us thinking or, and or maybe even praying a little bit. But when it happens to our friends, that really starts to get our attention. When it happens to our family, that's really close and we are paying attention. And if it's happening to you, God, you've got my 100% attention and I, Lord, I want you to get me out of this mess even though maybe I got myself into it in the first place. So how does God get your attention? Sometimes through events. God likes to get your attention through His Word. But there's a problem with that. You've got to read it for Him to get your attention. If you're not reading it, then you don't know what He's saying to you. He tries to get your attention through His Word, and my question to you is, do you listen to it? Do you hear what God is saying to you? Do you pay attention? You know, you can hear without paying attention. Yes, dear, I'll do that. Yes, dear, yes, yes, dear, yes. What do you mean I forgot to do so-and-so? I don't remember you telling me that. So you see, listening is not the same as paying attention. Do you read it? Oh, you mean, you mean I got this Bible and I'm supposed to read it? Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole idea. That's why it's down in writing. Now, if you have an eye problem, if you're having a language problem, uh, you can always get somebody else to read it to you. Do you respond to it? Are you living it? It's not there just to entertain you, although there are some entertaining stories in there. But there, it's there to help you deal with yourself because that's the biggest problem you have if you haven't guessed it yet. It's there to help you, help you to... Uh, respond to it, to live it. And I ask you, when you do read it, do you believe it? Let's go back to the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not. Are you doing the thou shalt nots? Well, quit. It's going to get you into trouble with the Lord and with the government, with everybody else. Do you believe it? Do you share it? Because you can have memorized every single word in any or all translations and not share it, and you're not doing your, your job. You're not doing what God has asked you to do. Because in the ultimate, in the final analysis, you have to take what God is telling you to understand it 
to live it and to share it. And if you don't, you're missing the mark. By the way, that's what the definition of sin is to miss the mark. Does God get your attention through events? Maybe, maybe not. Does he get your attention through his word? Perhaps. Does he get your attention through his spirit? Do you give God your attention only when you're not busy? Or do you keep your spiritual ear open to his call? I keep my cell phone with me. By the way, it's turned off. If you hadn't turned yours off, please do so. I keep my cell phone with me all the time, even when I go in the shower. Now, it doesn't go in the shower with me, but it's right there where I can reach it. I got used to doing that when Betty was spending 150 hours a week at Discipleship House, and I had to be ready. Well, when she called, I need to be ready. I need to get out of that shower and head there quickly because she needed me for something. You keep your spiritual open for his call? Or does God get a busy signal every time he calls you? Well, Lord, you know, I kind of sense your spirit telling me this, but, you know, I'm really busy painting the house. Or as I said to Betty when she was doing stuff, she didn't really need to do at Discipleship House, digging ditches. That's our... That's our, uh, it, my expression for stuff that probably needs to be done, but maybe you don't need to be doing it. Maybe there needs to be someone else. How does God get your attention? Events, His Word, His Spirit. Now, the big part of the question now is how do you respond and I want to take you now to our scripture again. And it says in verse 26, it says, And he will lift up an ensign. He will call the nations from far away. And, they, uh, and he'll hiss to them. Uh, and behold, they shall come speed with speed swiftly. Now as soon as I read that, I started thinking about This sounds a little redundant. Let's compare your response with the enemies of, of Israel. They responded to their nature. My cat responded to his nature when I gave him the right signal. Gave her the right signal. Pardon me. These other nations responded to their nature. And their nature was to respond quickly and proceed swiftly. Now that sounds a little redundant. Sounds like it's saying the same thing twice. But think of it this way. You have a fire at your house. And you call the fire department. And you want them to be, get to your place as quick as uh, uh, first of all, you want them to be quick to answer the phone. How many of you want a busy signal when you call the fire department? How many of you want to hear the phone ring and ring and ring and ring and ring? 
And as soon as they do answer, because you want them to answer on the first ring, and as soon as you give them the information, you want them to be quick to get on their equipment, to get in the trucks, to turn on the alarm, to get on the road and go swiftly to your house. See, it's not redundant. You want them to be quick to answer the phone, and you want them to be swift to get to the fire. You didn't want them to take a long time to answer the phone. But when they answer, you don't want them to say, well, we really, well, you know, we're too busy. Can we come next Wednesday about 9 o'clock? I think we've got an opening then. No, you want the fire department right now. I mean, it sounds silly to think of a fire department saying that. But sometimes when God calls us, we're kind of slow to answer. And sometimes God needs to get somebody else to do the job. And you're left out because you miss a blessing. You want the truck to be, you want them to be quick to answer. You want them to be fast in getting there. And what about you? Are you quick to accept God's call to do something? Like to teach or to serve in helping uh, uh, the building and fixing things? Or to go and minister to somebody? Don't say I'm too old to do that. Because there's always something you can do, no matter how old you are. And many times, no matter how young you are. The best people to get young people, whether it's teenagers or children, or even preschoolers, the best people to get them into church are folks of their own age. Children can talk to their next-door neighbor and tell them what a good time they had in vacation Bible school or in Sunday school. And they, and they will invite them. Now parents or grandparents or great-grandparents or any great-great-great-great-grandparents, you need to be ready to say, okay, well, I can take them. I can bring them. And get them home safely. Are you quick to accept God's call and swift to proceed to it? So you can say, yes, Lord, I will do it tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. Now, here, here is what I'm trying to get you to grasp. The thing is that bad people can do bad things, but they can have a good or efficient way of doing it. While on the other hand, good people can do good things, but be, be inefficient in doing it. And we need to get efficient, and we need to get active. And we need to begin to serve the Lord with whatever gifts, whatever talents, whatever abilities that we have, we need to take it and do it. In the second church, I was a, a, a minister in uh, education and youth. There was a lady that was bedridden in the church. 
uh, not in the church. She was a church member that was bedridden at home. And, and she, people liked to visit her. Not to cheer her up, to get cheered up by her. Poor thing, I remember her. Of course, she's with the Lord now. That's many years ago. I remember her being there, and her poor little hand was like this, both of them. But her voice was good, and her voice was strong. And you could go in there thinking that you were going to cheer her up and leave there cheered up by her. She had a ministry. Whenever somebody had a problem, a preacher used to say, hey, you need to go help so-and-so and give her name. And so the person not knowing her and about her would say, okay, I'll go there and come back and say, man, that was fantastic. See, until you're in that final box, there are things that God has for you to do and they may not be open tomorrow. So maybe you better start today. Well, what about these guys? Verse 27, the first, um, uh, the first part of it. And none of them will be weary nor stumble among them, and none shall slumber or sleep. Basically, in today's English, they'll be energetic, they'll be agile, and they'll be awake. Energetic. Do you get tired easily? How many of you get tired easily? Okay. Well, here's some of the possible causes. Could be a health problem. Could be, you know, and sometimes that can be fixed, sometimes it can't. Could be an old age problem. I'm sorry, that can't be cured. You know, <laughs> well, only one way. But, but it could be a, 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 an age problem. But check your diet. Check your sleep and your exercise agenda. Seek some medical advice. Paul said to the Corinthian church, What? Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Hey, if God's Spirit is in you, then He can give you the strength to do the things that, that He's called you to do. He's not going to call you to do anything that you can't do unless He enables you to do it. But you've got to step out there somewhere. Your problem needs to all, you also need to check your habits, like TV time versus Bible study and prayer time. Could be selective use of your energy. Go out to your car after the service, not now, please, and check the gas gauge. In the gas gauge, it will tell you how much gas you have. And somewhere along the line, you're going to run out of gas, and you need to be gassed up. I pray that your time in this service and other worship services and at home in your Bible study, you're getting spiritually gassed up. So then when the Lord calls, you can't say, oh, Lord, I'm out of gas, and just flop over. Energetic. Agile. When you stumble physically, and I do that from time to time, and you do too, it's usually due to a lack of 
agility, you know, being able to move around. It's sometimes due to being in a rush and, you know, not paying attention to where you are. You know, when you're going down steps, up steps, anybody over 50 or 60 knows, watch your step. That's a good, good thing to think about when you're talking about your relationship with people, too. Stumbling might be due to not paying attention or traveling in rough and unfamiliar places. And that's what stops a lot of people from sharing Jesus because they haven't done it before and they're not sure of Scripture. And they they think, well, I'll just let this go. But if you are reading your Scripture like you ought to be, then, then you... You know, you may get asked a question. If you know how to witness a little bit, you already know that people that don't want to hear that about being with Jesus, then they're, they're going to ask you questions. Well, I just have one question. Where did Lot get uh, this, that, or the other? Or, or where, where did this guy get his wife? Or where, how did they build the, the ark? And, you know, they don't care. Even if you told them down to the very knit of it, that's just running you off track. What you say is, you know, that's a good question, but right now, if you'll wait till the end of our conversation, uh, I'll answer that. Now, your answer might be, I don't know. I tell my Sunday school class when they ask me that hard one, especially, why did King Saul do this, that, or the other, you know? I say, well, my answer is, I don't know. I wasn't there. You know, and so, you know, because sometimes there's questions that people ask that are divergent. Sometimes it's just interest, whatever. But stay on track when you're witnessing. Be energetic, be agile. You know, when you stumble spiritually, it's due to a lack of worship, it's due to a lack of prayer. It's due to a lack of Bible study and practice. How do you learn to ride a bicycle? Well, I've got this big manual here, and it talks about balance and uh, the law of gravity. And uh, uh, you sit in this particular place, and you don't learn to study you don't ride a bicycle learning to study. Mom or dad, especially dad, says, get on the thing. I'm, you hold the handlebar. You put your feet on it. I'm going to hold the handlebars in this hand and the seat in the other. And you start pedaling, and I'm with you. 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 And you look around, and he's not with you. And you say, yeah, I'm crash. And then you get back up and you brush off your knees. Might cry a little bit. Might have to go to mom for a few band-aids. But you get back on and you do it again and you fall again and you do it again and you fall again and you do it again and you fall again. But you keep up because you want to learn to ride that bicycle because all your friends are riding their bicycles. 
And you, if you hang around with the right crowd, at least part of your time, then you can ride bicycles with them and teach other people to ride the bicycle. And if you hang around Christians, like in Sunday school, quick question, I want to up and down hand at three. How many of you were in Sunday school this morning? One, two, three. Thank you. You can put them back down. Looked about like two-thirds. Y'all need to be there because that's where you're going to learn these things. And because you're learning, you're going to be teaching someday. And I might as well tell it in case you haven't heard the bad news yet. I'm your new Sunday school director for the new year starting in September. And we will be doing more and more things. And we will be preparing to grow and grow both in knowledge and wisdom and numbers. So, well, finally got one amen out of that whole thing. Okay. <laughs> okay, so they were energetic, they were agile, they were awake. Awake is more than not being asleep. It's paying attention to what's happening around you and in relationships and situations in which you have an active con connection and a need to respond. Are you energetic? Are you agile? Are you awake? By the way, if there's, uh, and I don't see any closed eyes yet, but, but in case you, you sense somebody next to you that's asleep, give them an elbow real quick. Just, okay, let's see any elbow. Good job. Okay. <laughs> now, what else were these people like? They were well prepared and motivated. Look at the second half of verse 27 and all of 28. Second half says, And neither shall the girdle of their loins, that's King James, that means their belt around their waist, be loose, because that's what held all their weapons on it. Okay. Uh, uh, and uh, and uh, nor will the latchet on their shoes be broken. Their shoes won't be untied. How fast can you run with your laces laying out there? It depends, but eventually you're going to step on one of them and fall on your face. Well, these guys, they were well prepared and they were well motivated. Well prepared involves being equipped and having the equipment ready for action. How would you like to call the firemen? We'll get back to them. And they show up and they need to knock a wall down and their axe is dull. Or they, they come and they need to put the ladder up and the, oh, hey chief, the ladder's broken. Hey Fred, you were supposed to fix that last week. Well, I forgot. I was watching television. <laughs> How about, hey George, George, Bring the hose. The hose? Uh, was I supposed to bring the hose? And they show up for a fire, and they don't have a hose. They're crying out loud. That's not a fire department. And you don't expect it. And there are things that God wants you carrying in your head, in your heart, and maybe in your hands too, that He wants you to be prepared to use to help somebody 
whether it's in a physical need or a spiritual need, but especially the spiritual need. And He wants you to be ready and you're not. Let's get ready. Let's be prepared. Let's be motivated. In the text, the enemy is shouting with a volume. Where did that go? Okay. All right. Verse 28. It says, It says, Their arrows are sharp, and all their bows are bent. That means they're, they're ready to go. And their horses' hooves shall be, uh, shall look like flint. They're, they're running so fast, they're sparking on the, uh, on the uh, rocks in the ground. And the wheels are going so fast, it's like a whirlwind. They're motivated, and they're well prepared. The enemy is, is shouting, and their volume expresses their enthusiasm and seeks to invoke fear. Now, I'll give this concession to you that in sharing the gospel, it isn't necessary to be loud, but it is necessary to be clear. It does need to be presented in love and consistent. I would say 99 million times out of 99 million plus one that if you go up to somebody that you don't know and you grab them by the throat and they, you shake them until their brains rattle and say, are you saved, brother? You'll not get results that you want. You will get results. Sharing the gospel must be done within the nature and the confines of the person that you're witnessing to. And sometimes a nice, soft voice gets to some people, and sometimes a little bit louder. But never, never, whatever, you know. Work with them, not against them. They were well motivated. And sharing the gospel, there's no need to be loud, but it does need to be presented in love and consistent. Consistent in the times and with the action validating the words. For you see, you can tell somebody of God's love. And then when they have a need for help, you say, you know, go somewhere else. And you're a hypocrite. Or you can come and help somebody and do lots of good things for them and never say anything about Jesus and you walk away and you're a good guy. But that's not our goal to be good guys and gals. Our goal is to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the action and the words have to go hand in hand. Like the old song, love and marriage go together like a horse and carriage. You can't have one without the other. Verse 29 says this, Their roaring will be like a lion, and they shall roar, roar like young lions. 
They will roar and lay hold of the prey and shall carry it away. What they're doing is they're securing their gains. They are not just going out there and tearing stuff up. They were, yeah, they were taken prisoners. And they, yeah, they were going to make slaves out of them. But at least they were alive. And they were taking other people's goodies and taking it home. But they weren't smashing them up. Or at least most of the time, unless it was something they didn't want. But the thing is, we need to take that and put it over here. Because when you lead somebody to the Lord and you leave them out by themselves, and you don't get them into a church, you don't get them into a Sunday school class, you don't get them into a setting, you don't get them into a spiritual family, you then have made spiritual orphans out of them, and they don't grow, and they don't grow, and they don't grow, and they don't grow, until they become very soft, and they're opportunity. Do you know where most of the best prospects in a church come from? It's not the people that have been Christians for 50 or 60 or 80 or 90 or 100 years. Well, maybe nobody's that old here. But anyway, the, the thing is, most of the prospects come from new Christians. Because most of them come when there are no Christians in their family. Or many. Or the Christians and their family live far away. And as we reach them, then we can minister and show love to the rest of the family. And they too come. And then they can begin to train. Secure the gains. What are the results to be expected? Look at the results here. And in that day they shall roar against them uh, like the sea, and when they look around, there's darkness and sorrow, and the light has been darkened. We don't want sorrow and darkness. We want light. We want light. We want hope. We want joy. Light brings awareness of the surroundings. We see what is happening around us in our relations and situations. And it gives direction to our action. Because it's hard to do something in the dark. Once in a while, Betty or I will get up in the middle of the night to go check the plumbing, make sure it's still working. And if, if one of us has left something on the floor in the path, the other one will stumble. So that's why we need light. Because if we are not being the light, because Jesus said, you are the light. We're to be the light, to help others see where to respond and how to respond and what to do. Not only are we to be light, but we're, we're to, to give hope. Hope gives courage to continue on, assurance of God's protection 
and God's guidance and final victory and joy. Joy gives that inner strength, that peace in the center of a storm. How many of you have ever been in a hurricane where the eye passed over? I've been in a jillion of them. Well, maybe not quite that many. Okay, just a few. You ought to go down to Florida. Next time you hear there's a hurricane coming across Florida, go down there and, and get in a hotel. Well, maybe you shouldn't. But it's a weird, weird experience. You're in your house. Everything's boarded up. The wind is howling like crazy. The rain is coming down. And it's all coming from one direction. And it's beating against the house. And all of a sudden, it's quiet. You can all of a sudden you hear the birds singing. You think, oh, it's over. It's over. And you go outside and you say, it's over. It's and all of a sudden it comes back. And it's coming back from the other side. And that's what life is like. Life does have storms that come to you. Life does have storms that, that hurt you and surprise you. But when Christ is in your heart, it's like being in your house, safe and sound. You hear the sounds. You know all the problems that are happening out there. But you know you're safe. You know when it's over, it's, you'll need to go out and help those that are in it. I remember my grandmother talking about the 26 hurricane that hit Miami. It was nine years before I was born. And basically, in short, the story goes like this. They heard that there was going to be a storm. And so her kids, which was my dad and his brothers and sisters, all said, oh, well, there's a storm. Maybe we ought to shut the windows. And then as it started to get harder and harder, the boys got kind of scared because the, the old car was rocking back and forth. They said, we better go tie the car down. And they run out to tie the car down, and a big tree comes right in the middle of the car. There's the devil with the car back inside. Before the storm was over, the stilts from the side of their house came out, and their house was like this, and half the roof came off. When the storm was over, theirs was the only house on the block. And 29 different people came and stayed with them in that house in that condition because it was the only house. And they stayed for about two weeks before tents and all came up and, and around the area. Sometimes our life will get that way. But keep the storm on the outside and keep the peace and the quiet on the inside. And then you can step outside in the damage of the storm and be a help. Now, part of the sermon that you've been looking for, the conclusion. First of all, do you hear God's call to salvation and to service? For some of you have answered the call to salvation, but you've not quite stepped out into service. And that needs to change. It needs to change quickly. Some of you have never responded 
to Christ as your Lord and Savior. My question to you this morning, as we prepare for the invitation, my, my, my prayer, my request to you, is how will you respond? When will you respond? Are you ready to respond? When will you get ready to respond? Will you help? Will you help turn on the light? Because you see, this said that there was darkness in the land. But our job is not for darkness. Our, our job is for light and hope and joy. And if, if your light is broken, that's your invitation to come tonight. Because the message tonight is, God can fix anything. Let's pray. Father, we come to You again in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, You know our hearts. You know our situations. You know the things that are going on in each life. You know the struggles that each of us are sharing. Father, we ask for, for Your protection, for Your guidance, for Your direction, for Your joy that we might take these things and be strong witnesses for the Lord Jesus. Father, we know that we're living in a time of great darkness in around the world and even in our nation. And Father, You've called us who claim Christ as Lord and Savior to be part of that light. And Father, for those that are here that maybe know You but are looking for a fellowship to be with, we pray, Lord, that this message would touch them and guide them to the place where they need to be to serve You, to worship You, to be with Your people. Father, for those that need Christ as Lord and Savior, speak to their heart. May we have a time to chat together sometime after the service. Father, we commit this time of commitment to You as we pray it in the mighty, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. As Jim leads us in song, I invite you to respond in your heart. Respond if you want to come and pray up here, if you want to come and be a part of this fellowship, this is the time to move your church membership or to come say, I, I want to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Would you stand?
Gang, hope to see you tonight. Pray that you'll have a blessed day of rest and uh, whatever else. Little snooze now, then, then that's the time to take the snooze. Come back tonight and uh, uh, may the Lord bless you. Brother Ian, would you uh, uh, lead us in our closing prayer? Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that you have allowed us to gather together. Lord, I know that my family and I thank you for allowing us to arrive here safely. But God, not only arrive here safely, but be a part of the family of Northside Baptist Church. God, we pray for your ministry here. We pray for your will for this church and for each person here. That God, even today as we leave, that we seek not to please man, that we seek not to even please ourselves, but God, we seek to please you in everything we do. God, you convict us when we need conviction to do what is right in your eyes. God, that our lives are to be lived for you and not for ourselves, though God, oftentimes that is our desire. God, that we would live lives that are a light for you. Because, Lord, we can turn on the news and we can read the paper and we can look anywhere in our world and see that darkness is all around us. And, God, your light is that light which brings it to the front. And, Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ and we thank you for the salvation that we have. And, Lord, we pray for anyone here that has heard the message this morning that has not given their life. And, Lord, it is still not too late because any time is the perfect time to come in right relationship with you. So, Lord, be with us as we go throughout our day. Keep us safe and bring us back here together. Lord, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.